We knew that the quantum computing barrier would be broken sooner or later, but we honestly thought it would be later than sooner. However, Google announced that they've already achieved quantum supremacy, and many are wondering how this will affect Bitcoin. Backed has finally launched their Bitcoin futures market. Patrick Byrne sells his entire portfolio of overstock holdings, and the Fed prints billions more of dirty fiat currency. Crypto goes up crypto goes down. And today, well, it's a bit of a downer. But I guess that just brings more legitimacy to us as we present you with the bad news, episode number 313 of the Bad Crypto Podcast. Five, four, three, two, one, two, ignition. Who's bad? To bad crypto, badcryptopodcast.com. We're talking everything blockchain and the shit coins that you own. What news will get you wrecked? What coins are gonna moon? Just sit back and hold on, you'll get that Lambo soon. Bad crypto, bad crypto podcast. <laughs> And welcome to the Headbanger edition of the Bad Crypto Podcast. I'm Slash. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Welcome to Bad Crypto. Crypto goes up and goes down. Are you Ozzy? <laughs> I'm not. Ozzy Travborn. Yeah, I am Izzy Stradlin. Nice. Joel Com here, Travis right there. This is the Bad News episode of the Bad Crypto Podcast, all the way up to episode number 313. Timestamp. Yeah, let's see here. It is actually Tuesday, September 24th at 2.36 p.m. Mountain Time when we're recording this show. You know, sometimes our sound engineer likes to go and do things and get out of town for a couple of days. So he's like, could you guys do the show a little earlier, please? And so we're like, OK, for you, we'll do it. Because I said no. I said no. He does. He does a good job on the show. So we're like. I said, yeah, we'll do it. Anyway, we're here and we've got a lot of great news for you. But before we go there, let's talk about our sponsor, eToro, Toro, Toro. You're going to be smart about trading crypto. That means you need a smart trading platform. It's why we're excited to have eToro as a sponsor. They are one of the largest trading platforms in the world with over a trillion, count them, a trillion dollars in trading volume on the platform per year. If you're a U.S. customer, you can train 15 of the most popular crypto assets with extraordinary low and transparent fees. And guess what? If you're not ready to trade yet, you want to get your feet wet, you can practice building your portfolio with the eToro virtual trading feature. There's 11 million other eToro traders that you can connect with around the world. You don't have to connect with all of them. I mean, you could start with one or two. You could talk about trading. You could compare charts. You could talk all things crypto, ask questions, get answers, get started by creating an account today. Use this link because if you do and you follow the instructions on the page, you can get our some from our remaining supply of bad coin socks, not pre-worn by Mr. Travis Wright. The website is badco.im forward slash eToro, badco.im forward slash Toro. That's true. We were actually at the Coinvention uh, Summit there in Philadelphia, and uh, we had Mr. Ken Bosak was rocking his bad crypto socks. And so maybe if you're nice, you can tweet him and he'll send you a pair of pre-worn bad crypto socks. 
or maybe he could just you know cut them up and do little you know swatches of them and <laughs> put them on pictures of him and then they'll That's be good. certified you know pre-worn right he's an interesting character we should get him on back crypto sometime just for the we just should. for the lols just for the lols okay there's no lols in coin gecko this week let's get to the news and looking at CoinGecko.com, the market cap right now, $248 billion. Bitcoin, all the cryptos dropping a bunchly over the last 24 hours. Bitcoin, 94.63. Ethereum, 188. XRP, 26 cents. Bcash, 222. Litecoin, $57. Ow. 15% hit in the last 24 hours. Tether, 99.6 cents. EOS taking a 30% hit in the last 24 hours, down to 270. Binance, 1840. Bitcoin SV, 103.65. And rounding out the top 10 is Cardano at 44 cents wonder which yeah. is the biggest who's the biggest loser over the last 24 eos in the top 100 is the biggest loser yeah it looks like it but also look at this we've had a couple that's had some pretty big gains so if you look at the number 20 coin overall chain link which we've not talked a lot about but over the last seven days they're up 24.6 percent so that's one that uh, is doing some really big stuff it's actually got some huge volume and that's like one of the only ones that I see in the top 50 that has sort of taken off. Zero uh, X over the last week is up 30% as well. But uh, that's it for the top 50. Uh, you got to go out of the top 50 to see anything else that is that is uh, that is positive right now, which is kind of a bummer. Uh, right now, the dominance for Bitcoin is 68.5%. And uh, most of the cryptos have gone down. Litecoin has gone down 10% this was past week. EOS down 18% overall because it had a little bit of a run. Stellar over the last seven days is up 6.4% because it had a big pop, but then it's gone back down to where it was sitting at about six cents. So there you go. Crypto goes up, crypto goes down. This is one of the days where crypto is down. So I wonder, what do you think it might be the connection to our lead story today, Mr. Travis, right? Yeah, lead story today is Google may have ushered in a new era of quantum supremacy. Now, what does that mean for us? So Google, they said they, they announced this last Friday, which is a major milestone towards the development of quantum computers. So apparently it's not quite there yet, but it is, Google said on their, on their paper, they wrote about it. They said that this experiment marks the first computation that can only be performed on a quantum processor and the Google research paper was titled Quantum Supremacy Using a Programmable Superconducting Processor. Now, this is a challenge for some people. There's another that was on The Verge. There's another in-depth article on Natural News, which was an, it's an interesting source, but the article is really solid, talking about why Google's quantum supremacy means the end of encryption security for crypto, currency, military, secrets finance and personal communications it's now, all over we're all gonna die well they're talking like it that it is but here's the thing once somebody creates one thing there are other people on the other side who are creating something to combat that so mm -hmm. I, I would assume that you know quantum cryptography or some sort of you know quantum en encryption will will be the norm now they've said that that they're not able to crack Bitcoin's 256 SHA code yet. Probably they can do that by the year, what, 2022 is what they're thinking that, that that might be where that happens is 2022. So they're not able to do it yet. So it gives us a little bit of a runway. 
to uh, be able to protect ourselves and to protect our crypto assets. Yes. Well, let's explain a little bit about what that means. What do they actually do? Google's quantum computer was reportedly able to solve a calculation proving the randomness of numbers produced by a random number generator in three minutes and 20 seconds. And according to this article on The Verge, it would take the world's fastest traditional supercomputer, Summit, I guess is what this computer is called, around 10,000 years, which effectively means that the calculation cannot be performed by a traditional computer. So Google has, is now the first to demonstrate quantum supremacy. They are true quantum supremacists. Yeah. Uh, you know, so cryptography relies on cryptographic asymmetry, and that is rendered obsolete by quantum computing. And so it, that's really interesting. For example, it's going to take your desktop PC 10 seconds to encrypt a file, but a breaking that on another one might take 10 billion years. So what this means is that with, with quantum computing, they're going to be able to do this on multiple devices. They're actually able to sort of, instead of working on one plane and just one level area, they're actually able to do this on multiple layers at the same time. So here on the Verge article it says, here's in the nutshell, quantum computing is all about qubits or quantum bits. These are basic units of information used by quantum computers. Unlike regular bits, which are stored data of ones or zeros, qubits takes advantage of the quantum phenomenon known as superposition. This means they are essentially exist as ones and zeros simultaneously and the advantage of this in computing is that it, exp it exponentially increases the amount of information you can process a pair of qubits can exist as either ones or zeros can embody four possible states three qubits can embody eight 300 qubits can embody more states than there are atoms in the universe 300 qubits can embody more states than there are atoms in the universe Good Lord, that's ridiculous. And so Google has said that they have a 72-qubit system available. That was too tough to control. Now they got a 53-qubit design called Sycamore. And also IBM has launched a 53-qubit design that's, that's getting really close to being designed. So the age of quantum computing is arriving rapidly. And you know, Mr. Joel Kahn, what was interesting to me is that I haven't seen any mainstream media talking about it at all. Mm. Uh, is this any relation to Qbert, the little guy that was in the video game in the 80s? Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think so. It's, um, it's like Every time he jumps on one of those little things, it's a right. bit. It's the same thing. Yeah, in fact, the article from Financial Times, Dario Gill is IBM's head of research, and he was like, uh... Google's claim to achieve quantum supremacy is just plain wrong. He says that Google's system is a specialized piece of hardware designed to solve a single problem, and it falls short of being a general purpose computer, unlike what IBM is developing. So this guy is taking exception with Google's assertion here. It's like, it sounds like they took a real shortcut way to be able to say first, but mm -hmm. their shortcut way isn't it. It's a single use piece of hardware. It's not an actual computer that you could plug any other data into. Mm. 
we're going to have to have some conversations with some quantum computing experts here in the future. Uh, and we've chatted with some in the past, right? When, when we were in France, we had a chance to chat with a, a gentleman who was running a quantum resistant uh, crypto project. And, you know, that's the thing is that once these new things are developed, then Bitcoin Core will adapt. And, uh, you know, with the 256 SHA no longer works, they'll just update it and create the new version of that. That's the hope. That's the expectation. You know, and also, you know, is Google going to be out there cracking everybody's Bitcoin codes? You know, that's not what they're trying to do yet. But who knows? Three years from now is where they're expected to have this next leap uh, with quantum computing. So we'll see. Going to definitely want to keep our ears and eyes on it because I would say it's going to make a lot of crypto projects obsolete over time because they're not going to have the skills to be able to make it quantum resistant. A tool like Bitcoin will because or in my mind, it will, because there's enough people out there who are intelligent enough to help solve those solutions. But, uh, man, this is a new era in humanity if quantum computing is here, because quantum computing actually uses the like the computational power of the universe somehow. It's just, it's just totally a mind blow when you dive into how it actually works. It's actually, you know, I don't know. The universe is math. And it's all based on math. And if you look, dive into our DNA, that's all math. And if you look at it, the DNA of everything, it's all math. And so it's all math. And wow, now we can compute way faster. If you're taking something that would take us 10,000 years at the world's strongest, most badass supercomputer would take 10,000 years to do. And now with this, you can do it in three minutes. Like what? And speaking of three minutes, Travis, in the last three minutes since we've spoken, there has just been another flash crash in Bitcoin. It has dropped as low as 8,400, and it is now sitting at 8,543. Mm-hmm. So like today, it has fallen like uh, a th- more than a 1,000 today, more than 10% today. Wow. And again, this is... Uh, we're recording this on Tuesday, the 24th in the afternoon. By the time you guys hear it, it's going to be Thursday night. Who knows where it is then? But that's that has happened just since, you know, the last 10 minutes. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, I'm pulling it up right now, taking a look at that. Crazy. So now we don't know if this has to do with Google reaching quantum supremacy, but there are some articles out there that are talking about, you know, how Google's quantum you know, computing will make crypto you know, irrelevant and obsolete. But I think that, you know, give us some credit. There's some people out there who are going to be able to solve some of these problems and be able to make quantum resistant uh, cryptos. There's already some out there who claim they are. And so, you know what, the cat's out of the bag. Anyway, folks, crypto is here and there's enough smart people out there to solve the problem. So I'm not overly concerned. We got like two or three years until, you know, there's potential doom. Doom. Gloom. Well, I also wonder how much of this uh, is built into the backed launch that has finally happened for the past, what, year and a half. We've been talking about BACT's Bitcoin futures trading platform and the SEC finally, you know, approved it and it's finally launched. It is launched by uh, the Intercontinental Exchange, ICE. They're not the ones deporting people. They are the operator of the New York Stock Exchange. And so now people can trade Bitcoin futures on the BACT platform. They can. And, uh, you know, so far, it's been, people have been sort of nonplussed about it. They haven't had nearly the volume that they thought they were going to have. Uh, I think that, you know, 
that was a challenge. Like they had all this hype back, had all this hype. Hey, maybe they're going to be working with Starbucks and all this other stuff. And, you know, the news was really exciting about it. And so now they're, they're focusing on the futures contracts and doing some of that stuff. And it looks like, you know, at least up until now, there hasn't been a whole lot of transactions happening so far. It's been kind of a, been kind of um, not, not as exciting as people had hoped. And so maybe that's one of the reasons why crypto is going down right now. But I think it's kind of a combination of both. Is there some fear that's coming out? Oh, crypto might be doomed. Well, you know what? When, if crypto goes down a little bit lower, it's going to be a great time for some buying, I would say. But you're not a financial advisor. Not a financial advisor. We are not. But, you know, not everybody feels that way. And, you know, if we need some good news and happy news and uplifting news, we could always turn to Tim Draper, who is always bullish on Bitcoin. And in this article in Cointelegraph from the 16th of September, just last week, he says that his own prediction, that Bitcoin price will hit a quarter of a million by 2022, may be understating the power of Bitcoin. He's extremely bullish. He says $250,000 mean that Bitcoin would then have about 5% market share of the currency world. And I think that may be understating the power of Bitcoin. Uh, mm. To me, Travis, this all revolves around the next halving, right? I, there, there's not something that all of a sudden is going to bring Bitcoin mainstream for adoption in the, uh, before May, right? I just don't see that happening. But the halving happens in may so i think the next big push has to be with that as the central event right because i mean it's going to go from 12.5 bitcoin down to 6.25 bitcoin mm -hmm. right and so yeah there's a lot less bitcoins are being created in the early days when there was 50 man you go in and mine a block of bitcoin boom you got 50 bitcoin but it wasn't worth very much now when the price keeps growing up keeps going and growing then you know getting six bitcoin boom and they're worth x you know they worth these big amounts like that's that's going to be exciting for people to mine even if it's like a portion of a bitcoin so tim draper has always been you know a, a fan of the cryptos he's been a fan of the community and we're we're, we're we're grateful that he's out there trumpeting the good news and you know he did say that uh, that Argentina will be a great market for Bitcoin as a number of local entrepreneurs tend to lose their fortune in local fiat currency due to the currency manipulation and devaluation. If there's some other stuff that happens in other countries, people will start pouring their money over into that. So like even in the United States, we're using the, the Federal Reserve note, right? The U.S. dollar. They just printed out a whole bunch more. And, you know, that's one of those things that's just such a challenge when it comes to dollars is that. You know, when they can just print another hundred billion dollars out of thin air, Mr. Joel Com, that's a problem because we've never audited the Fed. We don't know how many there are, and we do know how many there are when it comes to Bitcoin and some of these other cryptocurrencies. And so I think as a result of, you know, and they said officially we're in quantitative easing number four. And the first three quantitative easings happened with um, you know, right after the crash in two thousand eight. So now they said we are in we're printing enough money right now to have this be quantitative easing number four. And with the economy looking good right now and the rates going down, and all this other stuff like it's almost like there are some forces at play that, that is trying to create some uh, instability or something. Well, and what you said there, I think, is really interesting. 2008 was the last time it happened. And that is the era that birthed Bitcoin. Right. It was out of that economic collapse 
that we saw Bitcoin become a thing. And so that to me says if we do, and in all likelihood we will, because math, see an economic collapse, then that's going to put Bitcoin even more front and center. I came across a tweet from a gentleman named Dan Tapiero that we will link in the show notes. That and all the articles are linked at badco.in forward slash 313. He writes, Bitcoin is now part of the macro landscape. There should be no more debate about this fact. Top 30 largest world currencies by market cap and growing at the fastest rate of them all. And he tweeted a chart that was put out by Blocktown Capital that shows currencies ranked by market cap. And this is in U.S. billions. So the Chinese yuan has a $28 trillion market cap. The U.S. dollar, $14.5 trillion, the euro, $13 trillion. Then it goes down through yen, gold, the sterling, the Hong Kong dollar, the Swiss franc, down, down, down the list until you come to Bitcoin with its $183 billion, of course, today about $160 billion market cap. And it is listed amongst the top currencies in the world. Mm, yeah. So by market cap and by USD in billions – and my goodness, the Chinese yuan, there's, what, 28,000 billion of them, so 28 trillion of them. And they say that there are 14 trillion U.S. dollars out there. But here's the thing, like, Blocktown Capital, this is great and all, but, like, a lot of these currencies have never been audited. So we don't know exactly how many there are in, in circulation. And they say gold is worth $7.5 trillion. And, you know, the whole crypto market right now, I have not looked, but I assume it's probably about little over 40. 200, 240. Yeah, not 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 super awesome. It's, it's been a lot higher than that. And we could see that if it's going down like this, it might continue to drop. But um, yeah, that's the thing is that there are way more of these other currencies out there worldwide. And they're not based on math. They're not based on algorithms. They're not based on scarcity. If they need more, they just print more. And that devalues it more over time, in my estimation, which is why inflation happens, which is why the cost of everything increases so much over time. So, you know, let's see what what transpires here. You know, there's some some craziness going down, some fear, uncertainty and doubt. So the price is going down. Let's uh, let's see where this heads over over the course of the rest of the year. Well, according to this chart, Bitcoin has a higher market cap than the Colombian peso and the New Zealand dollar. So mm -hmm. take that. Columbia and New Zealand. New Zealand dollar, you ain't worth shit. <laughs> Patrick Byrne, back in the news again. You know, he um, he left the company in order to, uh, well, there were some issues that went down. Right, let's there just leave it issues. at that. And now he has sold his entire stake in Overstock.com, $90 million, which he is investing in gold and crypto. And he said that, the regulatory agencies were trying to break Overstock as a way of crippling him because he says he has information that would uh, reveal the uh, evil tactics of the deep state. Hmm. Yeah. And then also, apparently he had this three-year relationship with a Russian spy, and he talked about this in like CNBC or some newscast we, we watched not long ago. And then he said that since he was sharing some of this stuff, then, yeah, the deep state, deep state, for those who don't know, is the intelligence agencies in the U.S. And why they're called deep state is because, well, they're not elected by anyone. They're appointed by politicians. 
and they have no term. They just stay there as long as, as until somebody fires them, which is very irregular. And so you kind of have this this uh, shadow. They call it a shadow government because here are people who are able to, you know, do laws and policies and influence things, but they're not accountable to any of the U.S. citizens. We don't vote them in, right? And we can't vote them out. They are just this permanent sort of what they call the swamp. And so, but they said that they're coming after Patrick Byrne. Patrick Byrne was freaking out about it. If you see some of those interviews that he had about that. And so that's why he said that he wanted to sell roughly $90 million in his assets. And now what he's done is he's bought, he's investing those in gold and in cryptocurrencies. And uh, he was ready to do that because he thought that, you know, they were going to try to to break overstock to, to hurt him. And so he said, okay, well, let me take all my assets out of overstock so you won't impact me. And so he got himself into some gold and crypto. It would be really interesting, Mr. Joel Kahn, to have a chat with him again. I think we should do that. We'll we'll make that happen. Absolutely. And let's take a quick break here to recognize our other sponsor for this episode, Nasgo. They're the GoDaddy of blockchain. You should know that by now. The moment you hear me say Nasgo, you should be thinking, oh, GoDaddy of blockchain. Why? You know, just like GoDaddy makes it easy to set up your website and have everything you need for hosting and domain name and privacy. With GoDaddy, you can tokenize your business with no coding required. They've got a solution that helps businesses get into the blockchain. They've got the Nasgo wallet. It's got all the tools you need in it. They do side chains and all kinds of other technical stuff that you don't need to know because you just push the buttons and get it started up. We interviewed the team from Nasgo on episode number 282. That's badco.in forward slash 282. Go check them out. Tell them Travis and Joel said stay bad. Nasgo.com. So we've had lots of conversations around Facebook and the Libra launch of their new stablecoin. And, you know, there's been a lot of conversations around from different governments and stuff that are saying, hey, you know, we don't want you to do this and we need to regulate you and all of this. Well, Facebook says we're going to do it anyway. And uh, so they're gonna, they've, they've unveiled their plans in June and they are going, even though that France and Germany has pledged to block Libra, their goal is still to launch Libra next year, says David Marcus. And he says, until then, we'll need to address all the questions adequately and create a suitable regulatory environment for this. Mm. You know, if you listen to our last episode with the uh, interview with Jeremy Gardner, he's a big fan of Libra. He thinks it's a positive thing. And uh, I think there are many others as well that is evil as Facebook is. They believe that the way it's being structured is going to hold Facebook accountable. Of course, I'll believe that when I see it, um, and which means I might never see it. But Facebook is not listening to Maxine Waters, who's saying, stop development. No, they're going to keep doing exactly what they're going to do. And they're going to build this thing. And mm -hmm. they will ask they will ask for forgiveness later. They're not going to get permission. Well, here's the thing. Like America could say, you can't do it anymore. And they're going to say, OK, well, I'm just going to go to Bermuda. I'm just going to go to Switzerland and we're going to create the Libra and uh, Calibra headquarters there. Right. So it, it's it's going to happen regardless if people want it to happen or not. And I think and you mentioned this before is like, you know, this is potentially going to be the thing that brings in mass adoptions to crypto. But, you know, it's going to be interesting to pay attention to this. I think that with that quantum computing question out there, that's going to freak some people out. And I think that once that gets solved, 
and we start going into quantum currency is going to be the next thing that most likely will, would happen, right? So if we have this quantum resistant cryptocurrency, well, crypto is no longer cryptography because that can be cra crashed by uh, quantum computing. So maybe quantum currency will be the next thing or making some of these existing cryptos that we already have, making them quantum resistant probably will be a good business that'll pop up that will help existing cryptos become quantum resistant. But who knows? It's going to be interesting to see how it all plays out. Maybe Facebook, they're going to have to figure out how to make their uh, Libra coin quantum resistant as well, potentially. Facebook's working on a lot of things. And you came across the story on Business Insider that the headline is Facebook is said to be spending more than $500 million to buy a company working to let you control computers with your mind. I do that anyway. I already mm. control computers with my mind, I think, and then stuff happens. Yeah, they are acquiring Control Labs, CTRL Labs. That's a startup that's been developing brain computing technology, but they're thinking that, you know, they've not really announced the terms of the deal, but they're thinking between 500 million and a billion. And they're developing this wristband that says it will allow people to control their computers just by thinking about it. And that is really interesting. They've been doing this now for over four four years. They've been working on this. And uh, wow. It has nothing to do with crypto, but it is interesting to see what yeah, Facebook is, is into. That was a bad boys of tech moment for you right there. That was that was true. Meanwhile, last week, you referenced this earlier that the Fed is uh, doing quantitative easing again. And this time they injected $75 billion. They pulled it out of their butts and they handed it out to the banks, basically, in what they call a repurchase option or a repo. And so that cannot be good for the dollar, right? Because mm -hmm. last time this happened, as you said, was um, right around the time of our, the crash in 2008. 2008, 2009, they were doing quantitative easing. And that just means they turned the printer press on and just let it go. And so I've heard that the 75 billion is not the final number and they're still printing more money right now is what I've read. So, you know, I think I've heard it's up to 100 billion at this point. But, yeah, a lot of money. That's that. Is it a sign of a crisis? Well, they're saying here on CCN.com that it is the canary in the coal mine. It means liquidity is dried up in overnight money markets. Banks are desperately needing liquid cash to trade and lend each other overnight. And so, you know, this is one of those things where I could see where a Federal Reserve crypto could be valuable, where they could, you know, that sort of where banks have to send X amount of uh, they got to send certain amount of money to another bank because people have deposited checks here and they got to withdraw and all that crypto. Maybe that's where Ripple comes in or some of these other things come in. Just make it easy so you don't have to have all that paper money or digits on there. And. That's just a challenge to me when, you know, because the more money that's printed, the, the the higher cost of everything else, like the higher cost for you to buy a new car, the, the bigger, the higher cost for you to buy a home. And so the more money they print, uh, the more, you know, it seems like, oh, look at all this money we've made. When in reality, you haven't, you know, earned any additional money. Your thing is just the dollar has just lost value over time. So mm -hmm. it seems like they're having a liquidity crisis. And that is the sign of an economy teetering, it would seem. You know, nothing illustrates this more than to look at what you used to pay for something. Now, I have always been a collector of comic books from the time I was a young boy. I bought comic books when I was, you know, in 
1975 or so. I was 10 years old and I would pay 15 cents for a full color, you know, Superman comic book. And and I've actually got some of those here in my office. I've been going through them and bagging them up and seeing, you know, if anybody, if there's a market for them and there is, but I went to a comic book store, Travis, and a new comic book that is a full color, same size comic book, a Superman, $4, for paper. And how much were you buying them for originally? 15 cents. Of course, cents. you know, when, when the comics first came out, they were a dime and then they went to 12 cents and they went to 15. And by the time Star Wars came out, they were 30 cents. And, you know, because they kept going up. But now a comic book is four dollars. That's it's. Mm. So I think that really illustrates how the, the value of the dollar has gone. It's not that, you know, wh- why is that paper more valuable? Why is that, you know, that work, that book more valuable? And the really funny thing is. The new books they're making, they'll never hold their value. Nobody's ever right. going to pay, you know, that mm-hmm. for except a few interesting, you know, first editions or something special happens. But most of them just worthless paper, kind of like fiat yeah. currency. It's kind of like baseball cards. I mean, I used to love collecting baseball cards back in the day. And I remember I'd go to my grandma's house and I, I'd ask for five bucks and I'd go buy baseball cards. What I should have done was taking those five bucks and went to the coin shop and got silver gone yeah, through all of her coins know, and looking for silver. <laughs> those old baseball cards that, you know, back then when we were kids, they used to release them with scarcity, right? They were harder to find. Now, you know, sometime in the eighties or nineties, they started releasing, you could buy the whole set, right? right? You would just buy the whole brick of cards and they would call them collectible. Guess what? When you start calling something collectible, it's no longer collectible. Because now everybody yeah. can have it. Yeah, in that early '90s was when they just oversaturated the market. Like, I mean, there's some really good cards and players from there, like Ken Griffey Jr. And like, there was some times where those cards were worth a whole lot, but over time, they've just not retained their value just because they printed hundreds and thousands of the millions of some of these cards. And so, yeah, that's the same thing: print hundreds and billions and billions and billions of dollars. And guess what? The the cost of everything is going to go up because there's so much money out there. And that's why Bitcoin is so important is because there's only going to be 21 million of them. And since they don't print more like the Federal Reserve does over time, the value of those should increase exponentially, as especially as the value of everything or the, the amount of dollars in circulation skyrocket and the cost of everything goes up. Then the, the price and, and really what somebody was saying, somebody said something. Let's see if I can remember exactly how they said it. It's not the fact that the, the price of Bitcoin is going up. That is is why Bitcoin's going to hit a million dollars. It's because the value of the dollar keeps going down. And so think about that. That's why it's going to hit two hundred and fifty thousand dollars for Bitcoin someday, like Tim Draper said, because the value of the dollar and the value of these fiat currencies are eventually going to collapse. And so that's why it's a good hedge for your bet, right? You are correct, Mr. Travis. Write me while what's happening around the world? Well, people are creating fake college degrees. And this is another opportunity for blockchain to be implemented to demonstrate the veracity of a college degree. In fact, a Swiss university is one of the places that is using blockchain tech to fight fake diplomas apparently they're seeing that in the last few years 
there's been more and more fraud around this and they want to certify degrees on blockchain. You know, we had somebody on that crypto that was trying to do a blockchain version of degrees before, because really, how do you know if somebody's, you know, degrees are on, on their LinkedIn are totally legit or not, right? So you don't know. And, and so this is something that could be used to uh, verify those transactions and verify those, those resumes, verify your degrees. Are they talking like, fake degrees like they're printing out fake degrees or are they just trying to combat people saying they got a diploma and they didn't so i think that there's maybe two problems there that could both be solved with a blockchain based degrees and so check this out what i think it would be really helpful if like your diploma and like your id and some of these other things were actually you know 721 erc 721 tokens or something that way they're like a it's like a fungible sort of a token and here it is you can verify it you could send it to people can see it here's my degree here's my diploma i think that that's something we're going to see a lot of moving forward okay meanwhile other parts of the world take a look at the philippines there's some good news there there are over 6000 711 stores in the philippines and they now all have access to sell Bitcoin. You can buy Bitcoin at a 7-Eleven. That's very cool. I've been to the Philippines a lot and there are a ton of of, of 7-Elevens there. That's not even not even a joke. You said 6,000 of them. But now the Philippines are doing some really cool stuff. And I have some friends in the Philippines and, uh, you know, so coins.ph, they allow folks uh, or employees to be able to accept their their monthly or weekly salaries or their paychecks in crypto so companies who are in the philippines can work with coins ph and they can set it up so that i don't know if you can set up and say hey give me half of my pay in crypto and half of it in my in paper or whatever but i do know that they give you the option to be able to do that so i mean that's you know in some of these other in you know countries that are doing that they're starting to get adoption. Crypto is a, a way of life for them. It's not something that's this nefarious, nebulous, scary thing like it is for some people. And uh, it's becoming a part of, of their culture. And I think that's right there. Is slowly but surely, the crypto game is, is, is winning. And finally, our last piece of news is around a survey that our sponsor eToro did. They found that two-thirds of U.S. investors fear that a recession is on the way and they want to convert the people that they talk to want to convert their stock portfolios or at least part of them to commodities real estate or crypto assets mm. 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 <laughs> fascinated by this mm. am i well you know it, it makes sense that you know the the millennials and younger generation is going to want to move their funds into cryptocurrency into something that they see as more uh, as a safe haven or a new asset class mm -hmm. yeah it is interesting to see how the different generations are doing different things right so gen z gen z says i would they would bet on real estate millennials would invest in crypto gen x would invest in bank on commodities well I mean, I think there's a lot of different options on on where they would go with their different things. But so millennials are way more crypto friendly. Uh, you know, I know I have two children that are both Gen Z. You know, I, their dad hosts a crypto podcast, so they're 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 pretty big fans of the crypto. And you know, as you start seeing more and more of these games developing crypto assets and and whatnot, it's just like 
crypto assets and quantum assets, I think are going to be obviously the, the payment methods of the future. And uh, it's interesting to see, like, here's some real data on this by eToro. Absolutely. Well, you know, we're just going to keep watching the cryptos go up. They go down. And some are saying that the new support level might be 7,500. I guess we'll watch and see. Uh, you know, unless crypto breaks the trend, unless Bitcoin breaks the trend of having a, a huge increase up into a halving, then that's what we're looking at. If it breaks the trend, then all bets are off. That is true. We shall see. Crypto goes up, crypto goes down. We're going to keep, where are your Sherpas and the guides amongst the uh, the hills and the mountains that we climb up and Mount Everest of crypto. And then we go up it and then we go down it and then we go up it and then we go down it. And eventually we're going to go to the moon. Ah. Then we're going to go to Mars. Then we're going to go to Jupiter. Then we're going to go to Saturn, right? Okay, right. Then, then we're going to go to Sirius. We're going to go to Alpha Centauri, and we're just going to be crazy. We're going to be like, damn, this has been quite a ride. We'll be like, and they're like, oh, no, we just went back down to Jupiter. Buzz Lightyear oh. to infinity and beyond. <laughs> don't it's definitely me. an exciting space. This stuff is not boring, and it's definitely interesting to keep an eye on. I think this quantum stuff is really interesting. I'm doing a lot more research and diving down this rabbit hole, and we're going to help uh, help you guys understand that more as we bring on some experts to chat about that as well. And again, thank you to eToro. If you want to get yourself a pair of bad crypto socks, go to go to badco.in, which spells bad coin, bad coin slash eToro, and you get your socks. We had somebody message us and say, I keep going to bad code." dot i n i don't understand what's bad code like it's not bad code bad dot i n that's our short url bad coin forward slash etoro get yourself a pair of socks do it do it now and thanks for listening to the bad crypto podcast on behalf of myself mr joel common him mr travis wright we invite you to now and always and forever please stay bad The Bad Crypto Podcast is a production of Bad Crypto, LLC. The content of the show, the videos, and the website is provided for educational, informational, and entertainment purposes only. It's not intended to be and does not constitute financial, investment, or trading advice of any kind. You shouldn't make any decisions as to finances, investing, trading, or anything else based on this information without undertaking independent due diligence and consultation with a professional financial advisor. Please understand that the trading of Bitcoin's and alternative cryptocurrencies have potential risks involved. Anyone wishing to invest in any of the currencies or tokens mentioned on this podcast should first seek their own independent professional financial advisor.